0: Hi guys, it's Lo. Welcome to a brand new episode of I Love Wellness. I have quite the guest on the show today. And if you have been in New York City, you know about By chloe And guess what? The founder of By chloe Samantha Wasser's on the show. Hi. Hey. You're also the SVP and creative director. Yes. So does that, that, that mean correct. you're responsible for all the cuteness that we see?
1: Yes. All of the <laughs> kitchiness is definitely from my crazy uh, brain.
0: I love that. It's great. So I'm a fan of the restaurants or should we call it a brand? I feel like it's more like a brand than just a restaurant. (laughs) I love that. Um, So you started the business four years ago?
1: Yes. We're celebrating our fourth birthday in July. Well, I guess, yeah, at the end of this month.
0: Yeah. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I think we have a lot of listeners that are vegan, that live like a plant-based lifestyle or alternative lifestyle. Um, So I'm so curious to sort of Get your take on that. You know, why did you decide to go down this road specifically? Um, you know, in the restaurant world.
1: Yeah. So when I started um, thinking about the idea for by Chloe, I was really finding myself eating more of a plant-based diet. Mm. Um, I was actually gearing up for my wedding around like five, six years ago, and I just found myself never going into a vegan restaurant. Like, I would never have found myself there. It just didn't seem to, like, appeal to me. Like, I'm not vegan, so they won't have anything. Mm -hmm. Whereas, they probably had a lot more options than the places I was going where I was making, like, crazy modifications on, you know, anything on the actual menu. Sure. So, when I started thinking about whether or not there needed to be, you know, more approachable, vegan, fast, casual brands, I was like, wow, actually, you know, if... if it had branding and it felt really nice and it felt, like, light and fun, I would totally go there. Mm -hmm. And, like, why doesn't this exist? So from a creative standpoint, I always had the mindset of attracting not only a vegan customer, but going after everyone. And I think that we purposefully, like went really kitschy with the branding because we didn't wanna come off like a lot of vegan brands at the time four years ago when we launched, it was very crunchy granola, like let me preach at you and tell you why you should like sign up on the dotted line and give away meat and dairy for the rest of your lives. and. For me, it was really about, you know, opening people's minds and getting people outside of their comfort zone. And what better way to do that than instead making them feel bad about what they're doing in their life, but just showing them that this is something they can add into their life one day a week, two days a week, or, you know, once a year.
0: Mm, that's really interesting. And what's your background? Is your background in restaurants?
1: I always ask you that. Like, I always feel so silly when I'm like, oh, yeah, you should go study this and, you know, maybe it'll be useful in life, but... <laughs> I went to school for like psych- sociology and psychology, which has like nothing to do with what I actually use. And when I graduated college, um, my family was always in the restaurant industry. Oh, and okay. Got it. I kind of stayed away from it like right away because mm-hmm. I wanted to feel like I went into it on my own terms and it wasn't sort of a default. And I've always been creative and I kind of went into uh, celebrity endorsements and uh, working on behalf of brands, big brands like Procter & Gamble and PepsiCo and I was working directly with the brands pitching them ideas but ultimately it was up to the brand to decide on the creative and who they wanted to feature and it just felt like, oh, I really wish they went with this person um, and so I knew that I wanted to do something on my own terms where there wasn't that limitation and I could sort of you know, trust my gut um, mm-hmm. when it came to being the creative mind behind something.
0: That's really interesting. Okay. So your family has a background in, you know, opening and operating restaurants. I was going to ask you because, you know, we've had other people on the show who work in food now, but they literally learned it, you know, by themselves. And it's, it's such a challenge, but I'm sure that even in your position, you have your own set of challenges. Um, So what was the experience like for you?
1: Yeah, I was definitely in a very fortunate position. Like I I for sure could not have done it alone, like, without the resources Mm -hmm. um, from my father's company um, in terms of operations, food costs, uh, labor, training, um, you name it. You know, anything beyond the food and the creative is definitely – a hardship. One thing that my family sort of specialized in was full service. So this was our Mm. first fast casual, which was a massive learning experience, even for people in the company that had been doing it for 15 years, because it's so different um, taking reservations and having turnovers and wait staff to um, all of the different positions you need when you open a fast casual. I remember you know we went about it from the mindset of a full service restaurant so we set up the kitchen we set up the counter thinking everything's you know fine and dandy we mm-hmm. open with a line and it's like okay so how does the burger get from you know, the line to the actual customer. Like, we didn't think about staffing for, like, that actual position. So, I always joke around with my head of operations is that in the middle of the summer, we opened, like, July 28th, Him and I were both, like, sweating profusely in the West Village, like, bagging burgers, because we just didn't account for, one, how busy we would be, or, two, you know, all of the positions that we would need in order to execute properly
0: right so for listeners who aren't familiar with the brand when by chloe opened the line was around like 12 blocks yeah <laughs> and right. it continued to be that way and it still continues to be so popular and i think it's probably due to your creative genius and how you wanted to approach opening a vegan cast fast casual with you know the branding and the concept of making it feel really friendly and fun i think it It's such a great idea, and I loved By Chloe when it first opened. So, like, I've always been a fan. But, like, you've accomplished your mission. You know what I mean? Like, your vision and what you set out to do, you have absolutely done that. So, congratulations. Thank you. It's so cool to meet you know, women who have had this amazing success. And I think it's also so interesting to hear about your experience working in more of like a corporate environment and having these great ideas, but not having them sort of like get past right. sort of like the upper echelon C-suite of people. And to do something on your own and to have it be such a massive success, I think is really exciting.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's so crazy now that, you know, we're actually like a real company and have real mm-hmm. investors and we're Uh, actually moving to our first headquarters which will be so exciting Um, not too far from where we're recording right now Mm -hmm. Um, it's you know all of our investors are always asking like why did you decide to do this like what are the analytics who are you trying to uh, you know approach or target with that creative and it's just such a different way of thinking than I've been doing for four years because I've always just been like oh like I liked it, my gut liked it, you know, I kind of just went with it and it worked. Um, So I'm constantly learning, you know, better ways to maybe approach different creatives that I'm working on or different neighborhoods that we're opening in. And I think that, you know, it's just a continued learning experience and also just the evolution of what by Chloe continues to be. I'm constantly trying to push myself to think like, okay, I'm working now, but if I kind of stay stagnant in all of my openings and you know, what's going to happen six years from now? Mm-hmm. Like, am I still going to be able to get away with the same graphics? You know, if I'm targeting a consumer that's maybe grown with us along the way, they're maybe older, they're maybe not so into the kitschiness or mm-hmm. playfulness that we, you know, are known for right now. So sure. I'm constantly trying to think about all of those things in my head while just trying to get through the day-to-day. So I think as a founder, you're, you know, always trying to put yourself, like, one step further. Um and definitely go back and forth with people on my team is like whether or not like you try and do things perfect or just get it done. And I always try and push myself to some sort of perfection, but knowing that that kind of doesn't really exist. Um,
0: mm-hmm. so, it's so internal struggle. Yeah, I understand. I'm always really curious when I talk to a founder about the culture that they create within their company, their brand. Um, so, how did you decide that? I guess what is the culture at Bike Chloe, and like, how did you make that determination, and like, how do you successfully do that every day?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely something that we internally talk about all the time, and like, trying to define like what our culture is and what we want to strive to be. You know, as we're such a young company and we've mm-hmm. just grown so so quickly, a lot of the times, everyone's sort of running in a million different directions, and you're kind of like, oh crap, like we should do a dinner. Like, I want to thank everyone for right. all of these big things that we're doing. And we're such a lean team. People look at us and they're like, oh, by Chloe, they have 14 stores, like mega company. And it's really, I've probably added like three people to my team since we've opened. How many people are um, on your team? So like on the, I guess on the corporate side now where our headquarters will fit about like 20 people mm-hmm. um, or less. And some of those are our operators that sure. are, you know, uh, traveling around to all the different stores. So we're pretty tight um, group right now. But I think it's just about constantly trying to take the time to thank people for the effort that they're putting into things um, you know, there's been times we've done big promotions or we launched like a CBD one-stop shop last summer and we were in all of the restaurants putting up tinsel until two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> scotch taping it to the walls. And then a week later, I took them after the promotion was done to uh, this place called Beat the Bomb in Dumbo, where we just like got sprayed with uh, fluorescent paint when we weren't able to deactivate this bomb. So I constantly trying to do like fun, lighthearted <laughs> things to just get people outside of the office and, um, you know, remember why we're doing this and um, also all new staff uh, at the corporate level also has to spend one day in the store once they get hired and I think that's been really eye-opening for a lot of our new hires to understand, you know, when you're in this ivory tower and you're thinking about all these great ideas, if you don't know what it's like to actually be in the store, you don't know how to communicate to your staff in the store who are essentially your eyes and ears and, the reason of whether or not you're a success. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: absolutely. (laughs) I love that. I'd love to spend the day at bike club. Yeah. Like work the line. Wouldn't that be fun? You guys, (laughs) I think so. I Um, love bagging burgers. I think, yeah, no, I think that sounds great. Um, Yeah. It's something that I personally need to get better at doing is celebrating the victories, you know? Um, So love wellness, we're growing so fast. and We're also a really small team and, you know, we, we have all these milestones and, um, I'm not celebrating them in the way that I should. And it sort of scares me sometimes because, you know, it means that I'm really effective and I'm good at accomplishing goals. But, like, what does it say about me that I'm so willing to, like, jump to the next thing and, like, not I, – I don't know. It just it scares me a little bit when I, like, think about these accomplishments and they don't really mean that much. Right. You know what I mean? And
1: I'm, I'm exactly the same way, and I think that – Sometimes what motivates me is like when I see my staff sort of like getting overwork because I'm ex- I'm exactly that type of person like mm-hmm. okay what's next like I strive under pressure and yeah. and doing a million things at once because when things go silent I'm kind of like oh gosh like I'll wake up in the middle of the night like what did I forget to do yeah so I'm totally like that but when I see my team sort of getting bogged down I'm like okay like we're going for drinks like we have to do something because um, it, it's definitely so much time can go by where if you are like coming in every day and pushing yourself and it's just completely thankless, it definitely shows, um, mm-hmm. in, in my team, especially, you know, and in, in all teams I would imagine. So I try and like constantly remind myself to, to do things. And I, we keep talking about when we move to the corporate office of having, you know, weekly happy hours, just stuff that maybe be yeah. you know, pre-programmed so that it forces us or for lack of a better word to actually celebrate some of those moments and, I'm equally cautious because I'm always waiting for the next shoe to drop. Right. So I'm always scared to get like too excited about something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's healthy to celebrate it, especially like when you've put in the work to be able to sit back and be like, wow, like, that's, you know, really great what we were able to accomplish. Yeah,
0: I think so, too. I think it is sort of, like, an interesting commentary just about culture and maybe living in New York City. You know, like, your social currency, to a certain degree, is how busy you are. But it's starting to shift a little bit into, like, oh, you know, like, "I I work from home. Like, my office doesn't make me come in here. Like, I have this time to myself. And, like, I can, like, work on myself and whatever. And so I feel like we're starting to move towards a place where we're more celebratory of, like, our Private lives and doing that helps our professional careers. You know, like taking the break really helps, um, and so I think it's just something that I need to think about applying into like the actual workday. Also, you yeah. know, and like how celebrating and you know spending time you know with the people that are your team and really create the success for you, um, you know, how you can do a good job of supporting those people. So for me, it's something that I'm like constantly like thinking about and working on and really need to do a a better job at. And
1: and I think that as like a founder, you sometimes get the praise from people that maybe you're running into on the street and totally, like, oh, 100%. I see what's happening on Instagram. Like, that's so great. Like, congratulations. But my team might not be getting that. 100%. So then I'm like trying to think about like, oh, you know, how do they, you know, sort of get this validation because I could never do what I do without them. And yeah, so it's, it's definitely something that I'm trying to do better at as well. So I think you know, as you continue to grow, just remembering, like, why you're able to grow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's super helpful. Um, So, talk to me about the vegan aspect of Bi-Chloe a little bit, um, because I'm sure that we have listeners that are interested in, you know, adapting to a vegan diet, or they're more interested in, you know, eating plant-based diets. So, Can we talk about some of sort of like the health benefits of doing that, the environmental benefits of doing that? I'm just curious to sort of get your thoughts on it. Are you a vegan now? Because I know you said that you weren't when you started the business, but have you made a conversion?
1: I have not made a full conversion, but um, I don't eat meat anymore. Um, It just doesn't agree with my body. Mm -hmm. Um, And I sort of, you know, as I was going through my own like personal struggles was, eating in a way that, you know, my body could best process and where I could get the best nutrients, but, um, I do tend to eat more plant-based foods just because that's what my body agrees with, um, and so I think that our menu really lends itself to any, anyone's diet, uh, whether or not you want to have more plants in your, in your diet, or you are vegan and you just want to try something different that maybe isn't available at other vegan restaurants and, I think that when we opened four years ago, we really tried to create a menu that was approachable to people that maybe aren't vegan. So we uh, were doing twists on classics, which is why we have burgers Mm -hmm. and, you know, salads and cookies and cupcakes because that's something that people can understand. It's not so foreign. It's like, oh, how bad can mac and cheese be? You know, it's mac and cheese. It looks like it has bacon on top. So we really tried to have it be something where it didn't feel too scary mm-hmm. uh, for people to kind of take that first step in trying our food because it's always about, you know, how do we get people in the door one time? Mm-hmm. Because once we get them in, we know like we're confident that our food is good, but it's it's all about just getting that first trial. Yeah. Um, so for us, it was really about creating, uh, foods that come from whole ingredients that aren't highly processed, that aren't fake, uh, to your body. Because, you know, one of the complaints people say about, oh, I don't like vegan food. It doesn't agree with me. It, my body doesn't understand what it is. Like I always get a stomach ache. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really tried to, uh, when we, came to creating like our burgers, for instance, uh, they're all from whole ingredients. So some of them are black beans, quinoa, sweet potatoes. So it's pretty much all of the ingredients you'd get in a salad that maybe you're getting on a Tuesday, but just done in a different package. Um, And your body can understand it. You can see it. It's more approachable.
0: Yeah. I think one of my personal hangups with vegan food is that I have this notion that it's all processed right. food and that it's not necessarily better for you than anything else. Right. You know, it's still f- full of sugar, it's still, you know, super high in carbohydrates and all these things. And so it's interesting to hear your approach to it. Um it's something that I definitely appreciate. I think about a lot of people who are vegan and they still are eating all this processed food right. and I'm like why do you choose this lifestyle if you know, you're still putting stuff into your body that is not necessarily, um, may not necessarily, like, maximize the health right. benefits of, like, a plant-based diet. Um, so, I don't know. That's just something that I think about. If anybody that's listening has an opinion, send me a DM. Yeah. I would love to hear from you because it's something I'm super interested in learning more about. Um,
1: yeah, us too. I, I would love to hear that because we constantly always, you know, thinking about it you see with all the explosion of these meat alternatives Mm -hmm. and, you know, I've always been sort of hesitant, um, like, is that
0: actually good for you? I don't know. I have no
1: idea. (laughs) Are they
0: made with soy? Like if it's made with soy, I'm like, Oh, isn't, won't that affect my hormones? I don't know. There's a lot of good information out there, but there's also so much misinformation out there. it's So new. So I don't even
1: know if there's all this information that like, maybe will come out at some point and for us, I see it as such a positive, just it exploding right now because they're able to reach a wider demographic than we could ever dream of right mm-hmm. now. So if they're able to get someone that is a meat eater, eater to try a meat alternative, that could serve us in a really great way when we enter into that market and they're like, oh yeah, I had that you know burger the other day, that wasn't too bad. Like Maybe I would like by Chloe. So mm-hmm. I see it as a positive for us, but I also you know, love that we're different and we're providing our guests with something that isn't, you know, a burger patty that you can go get at a whole foods or, you know, a natural food store. Right.
0: Do I, people are probably going to get mad at me when I say this, but like, I'm just going to say hard, the like hardcore vegan, cause I don't know how to say it any differently, but like, do you find that like hardcore vegans are fans or are not fans of what you're doing because you specifically serve a demographic that is not them. Right.
1: Um, it's hard to say. I mean, we tr- we truly try to serve anyone and everyone. And I've always said from day one that um, even in the partnerships or collaborations I seek out is I try not to just seek out vegan brands or vegan partners. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if you only target one person and you are only... T- working with people in one industry, how much change can I truly be making? Mm-hmm. But if I'm able for the carrot hot dog, for instance, to work with a brother and a sister that are s- known for their smoke meats, when competitions for their smoked meats in the Lower East Side and partner with them on a smoked carrot uh, and get Kobayashi, who is known for mm-hmm. his competitive eating of meat, um, to be the face of it, like what a better way for me to get other people through the door that maybe were hesitant about by Chloe. Like if I get any of those meat eaters that are fans of Harry and Ida's or Kobayashi into by Chloe, like that to me is, is effectuating more change in the world and opening up more people to this way of eating or way of thinking. And mm-hmm. so I struggle with that too is like, you know, you don't want to offend anyone, but I also want to, uh, to introduce people to what they maybe are missing mm-hmm. and what maybe they're, you know, scared of. Well, I tried the hot dog,
0: carrot hot dog. It was really good. Oh, okay. It also looks just it's like It's crazy. A hot dog. It's really crazy. Yeah, so before Sam and I started, she told me that the smokers or, yeah. you know, the meat so the people, and yeah. heroinitis, they take the skin off the carrot. You tell us. Because yes. so it looks like it's a hot dog. It's
1: pretty crazy. <laughs> and everyone is now asking. We just launched it two days ago about the casing. They're like, oh, it, like, has that elasticity when you bite into it. And the thing that I loved about what they were doing is they – just take a carrot and it has some seasoning like salt, pepper, oregano, mm-hmm. and they smoke it over five days and they essentially take off the skin and reapply it so that when it cooks and it boils up, it creates this like natural casing on the <laughs> carrot and it truly doesn't taste like a carrot. I mean, tiny bit of carroty taste, but it totally satisfies your craving for a hot dog in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I thought it was... I thought it was really good, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for sure. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit. I know that you have been pretty open talking about uh, the fertility issues that you've had, and that has sort of happened um, alongside you opening this business and growing this business. Um, so you're expecting a, a son, though?
1: I just had. You just um, had a? Yeah, I just had a baby boy. He's oh, congratulations. seven months now.
0: That's so exciting. Yes. So I know that you had some miscarriages when you were first sort of like going through the business and there was, you know, like a lot going on yeah. at by Chloe at that time. Um, so what was that experience like for you?
1: Yeah, it's definitely hard. I'm You had mentioned like finding time to like shut off or like put yourself first. And that was definitely one of the hardest things when, you know, something is going on in your personal life while you are trying to build a business and people are depending on you. It's like, how do you choose to, you know, prioritize yourself um, and, sometimes you just don't necessarily have that choice and you're right. kind of just you know I definitely put a lot of pressure on myself when it came to work to like always be available I remember I was like in hospital rooms like messaging like is everything okay or like checking my phone um but my husband and I first started trying to have a baby um I guess four and a half years ago at mm-hmm. this point um and when we, we first got pregnant I um, miscarried around uh, 12 weeks and then you know was told to me at that point like oh it's fine like you'll be fine mm-hmm. um, it's common they, yeah they yeah, had tested right. the embryo um after my dnc and said that there was some chromosomal abnormality so sure. something happens when the egg meets the sperm this is you know pretty rare that it would occur again so like mm-hmm. go back and like you know have a you know great time try again yes yeah. um and so then um Several months later, I got pregnant again, and it was right before um, January break, and they were like, oh, you know, come in um, when I would have come in, like, say, earlier like weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up going in at around, like, nine weeks um, to see, and it turned out there was, you know, another abnormality, Um, so I miscarried again, and at that point, they were like, okay, maybe you should see a fertility specialist and see about... me." potentially IVF because Mm -hmm. something is obviously happening on that level. Um, uh, I wasn't able to really like start that process for quite a while. Um, because I was still miscarrying for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, my fertility doctor was like, okay, we just need to close this chapter. So I had another procedure and then was able to sort of like move forward. Sure. Um, and then to this day, I've been through, uh, three rounds of IVF, um, and several failed transfers in myself, and it just got to the point where my doctor was like, you know, we can keep trying, but there, I just don't get it, like, I don't know why it's not working, like, your textbook, like, my, you know, lining's perfect, like, everything is Mm -hmm. perfect, which is, like, exactly what you don't want to hear, because you're like, just tell me what's wrong, and I'll fix it, like, I'll, like, go to acupuncture every week, I'll change my diet, I'll do, like, you do everything within your control, and, Sometimes it's just your body's making its own decision, and so we in, um, engage a surrogate agency uh, about three years into it, and we ended up having a baby boy in Texas um, mm-hmm. seven months ago.
0: That's really great. My goodness, what a journey for you! Yeah, and
1: so juggling that with work was was definitely difficult. Um, you know, there would be times that I would, after a you know a round of IVF, I remember I was like. I was looking back through my photos because we actually did a promotion or a campaign around Mother's Day this past year mm-hmm. for By Chloe. We had partnered with Kind Body, which is like um, an accessible fertility yeah. um, clinic, as well as Robin, which is like a fertility community. And just to raise awareness around how there's not one traditional mother. That really used to be celebrating all women during the month of of May because it's a could be a crazy hard month for a lot of people. Maybe people have lost their mothers, yeah. and you know they want to be celebrated, or someone is a mother to their sister, or you know someone is struggling, and just so many people are are lost in that conversation. And I was looking back at all my photos, and people always ask me like, "How did you you know sort of get through it with the job?" And I think you just kind of like black out a little bit, and you just keep going. And I think that if you think about what you have to do, like, in the future, it's too overwhelming, or what has happened to you in the past is also too overwhelming, so you kind of, I would allow myself to grieve, like, one day, and then I just, like, pick my pants back up and be, like, okay, like, on to the next, like, you know, is it another transfer, is it a, you know, a meeting, Um, and you kind of just, it it becomes your life, and I think if you focus on it a little too much, it could be just all-consuming, um, which is not a recommendation because I definitely, you know, closed myself off socially, you know, with um, my husband, too, who wanted to be more vocal about it or talk about it more, and I just, like, couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's hard uh, when I was looking back through photos and seeing. I was like, wow, like, this happened that day, and then I'm at this opening, like, basically wearing a diaper. Like, how did I do that? And so it, it just like you, you kind of just – you know, do it, which is, like, the craziest thing, but, um, you know, life kind of goes on even if you're you're struggling, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I feel so affected by, you know, your story and sort of what you've been through, and I think that this strength that you have had to conjure up is just so remarkable, and I don't know if it's because, like, as women biologically, like, we're able to have babies and, like, be mothers or, you know, however it happens, but I don't know, I'm just, like, amazed at your strength and your ability to, like, run your business and continue to do that, like, while you're dealing with this chapter yeah. in Thank your life. Thank you so much,
1: yeah. Like, I remember when I first miscarried and I kept seeing my husband, like, I can't do this again. I, I can't handle this. Like I mm-hmm. can't. Like I just it'll break me. Like I I don't have the strength to keep, to do this again. Like this this can't happen. And I remember I like would keep saying that. And then somehow some way you just like yeah conjure up this like abnormal like strength um, and you just keep going. And yeah. it's you hear about people going through crazy things in their lives and you look at them and you're like how did they possibly how did they do, do that? that? And I think that when you're faced with something that is so, so challenging, you kind of have to, like, a decision to make. You either, like, succumb to it or you just, you know, figure out a way to deal
0: with it within your life. Did you do that? Did you make the decision? Yeah. Was it conscious for you? Yeah,
1: because, like, for me, it was just, like, I'm such, like, a planner. So I don't know if it was a decision to be, like, oh, I'm going to be strong today. But it was more, like, okay, like, I got to keep going. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, like, I... And and I talk to other women that have been through fertility issues, and it's so crazy because I am always like once you start trying, like you're kind of screwed if it doesn't work because like you're so in it, like you're determined, you right? can't get out of it. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's like I wasn't gonna stop until I you know had my baby, mm-hmm. and it's just like you'll just I could totally see myself like pushing, pushing, pushing. I remember at, right after you know we decided that we weren't going to put any more embryos in me. I wanted to do right away another round of IVF to get more eggs mm-hmm. um, just so that I had those um, for when we had a surrogate. Yeah. And my doctor was like, no, like, you, you need you need a minute. Like, mm-hmm. take a break, but it's like... <laughs> Say I'm <you're>, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. She's but like, no, you can't. Exactly. And so when you're in it, you're just like, no, 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 like, I'll do anything. Like, I would have, like, a really horrible reaction to, like, an IV drip, and I'm like, never doing that again, never doing that again. And then when it's like oh, maybe that will help, like, the embryos, like, survive. It's like, okay, shoot me up, shoot me up. Like, you just, like, don't even think about it anymore, which is kind of scary. But also, I think what helps you kind of get through it.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, we have a remarkable survival instinct uh, and an instinct to... Having yeah. babies, so we're I guess just facing, it's yeah. just a it's just a part of you know how we're built. Um, what would you say to women who are listening to the show who are struggling with fertility in in some way, shape, or form? Like, what advice can you give them?
1: I think that like women are a lot stronger than they ever know. Mm. You know, I constantly try and think about like why do you, we hold it so close to our chest, and mm-hmm. like, why are, don't people share it, or, you know, I was, I was that person, so I'm not, like, standing on my, like, you know, soapbox being like, oh, you should share it with the world, because there's this, like, shame that you associate yeah. with it, I remember when I first miscarried, the first question I asked my doctor was, like, what did I do wrong, and I think that that's what we as women do, like, it must be our fault, like, I mm-hmm. must have, like, eaten, like, soft cheese, and, like, so, so I done did something. something, I did yeah. something wrong, Um, So I think that because of that shame a lot of people don't talk about it so but the flip side of it is that once I did start talking about it and I don't mean screaming it from the hills but just like talking to one or two close people that I was connected with it was so liberating to like not feel alone so I would say you know kind of find your tribe find just like even one person that maybe you get connected with to another friend and believe me, people that have been through it know how sensitive it is. They, you can trust them most likely. Um, because a lot of times you think this is only happening to me and like you, your husband doesn't necessarily understand all of the emotions associated with it. So, you know, I was fortunate where I was able to have like two people that I really relied on throughout the process that had been through it before me. And I would like, text them all the all the time when I was feeling down, like, oh, like, I don't think I can, like, get through today. Like, this is just, like, so difficult. And, you know, having people that kind of, like, are your cheerleaders and yeah. can relate to the exact pain you're going through is so helpful.
0: Yeah, I think that that's really great advice. I think... Also, just to kind of speak directly to your point, I think we're so afraid to be vulnerable emotionally, um, whether it's, uh, you know, with your friends, your family, your coworkers, to, like, actually indicate that you are upset is, like, a taboo. And when it comes to something that is so sensitive and so personal, you want to retreat even further. But I have found, you know, in my own life and with my friends, anybody that has gone through any event, grief, whatever it might be, once you start talking about it, you sort of release that energy yeah. from your body and so i think you're absolutely right you know find your tribe yeah. and find people that who can relate to what you're dealing with so i think that that's really wonderful advice yeah. that's a really great takeaway um
1: or if you don't have anyone you can dm me <laughs> that's one thing from the mothers day campaign that was pretty remarkable was how many personal dms i yeah. got and it was just amazing to talk to other women that were going through it and you know felt that the campaign we were doing or my words had spoken to them and and that was like made me so happy because Mm -hmm. it is scary to be so vulnerable to put your own story out there yeah and I just kept saying like oh if I can you know speak to just one person or one person can come to our event and take away something out of it like then it's all worth it.
0: That's really nice. Okay, guys. Mm-hmm. DM Sam. <laughs> um, well, that uh, leads me to our next and final question is sure. where can our listeners find you, find By Chloe, you know, celebrate what you guys are doing because it's really great.
1: Sure. So By Chloe right now we have 14 locations. Uh, we have a bunch in New York, um, three in Boston, one in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, one in Silver Lake, California, uh, three in soon to be four in the UK, in London. So stay tuned for our next opening there in the next few months. Uh, And then you can find us on Eat by Chloe uh, on social media, E-A-T. And my social media is It's Me, Sam Woss. Okay, great. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, guys.